are you doing? How am I doing? Am I fine? Am I not so fine? Am I distracted? Am I sleepy? How was your uh, walking meditation? Did uh, anything I said earlier uh, find helpful? And returning to the uh, continuity, whatever it was, it's it it was. It's a past tense now, isn't it? So time moves, but really our minds move. Time is just a measure of this that we give a name to. Time is really uh, consciousness. Time is uh, what we make of it, but we have a, a system of measuring whatever you or I choose to call it, that there is this ever-present uh, possibility back to the, the, the seamlessness of the breath, of the uh, movement of our postures. And to think about it, it's re it is, it's very simple and it's very immediate, which is very beautiful. And it's in the beauty, I think, in the, in the appreciation of the beauty that uh, I can begin to embrace it more, that it's accessible, it is. So Dhamma, we, the, the indicators that we chant in Dhamma is Sanditiko Akaliko Ehi, Pasiko Opaniko Pachatang, kind of formulaic. But Sanditiko is apparent here and now. So what is apparent here and now? Akaliko A is, negates time, so it's timeless, seamless, uh, eternal. These words, uh, these are all, they're all pointing to what Dhamma is, but it's not a definition so much as a kind of a signpost, isn't it? So, Sanditiko, apparent here now, Akaliko, without time. Ehipasiko, usually translated as inviting. Buddha said, Ehibhikkhu invited you know, monks to come forth to practice, to go forth from the home life to the homeless life. Opanayiko is usually turning or leading inwardly or onwardly, sometimes translated differently. And finally, the one in Thai, it comes out really good, Pachatang. And you have this emphasis, Tang, it's like the Thai language, so it's like, is, is uh, for those <clears throat> with, uh, to, to be seen or to be individually experienced by the wise. So it's connected directly to wisdom. So this refrain of Sanditiko Akaliko Ehipasiko Opanayiko Pachatang is a continuous uh, reminder that Dhamma is to be realized in the here and now. And it's quite easy for us to put like Dhamma is something out there, like in theistic terms, when we say, oh, you know, God willing, and we, and we look upwards. So God's out there. You usually don't hear a Buddhist or people in, in Buddhist practice, Buddhist countries, they don't say, you know, Dhamma willing. You know, they always 
kind of go inwardly, talk about things inwardly. You ask a Thai where their where their mind is, or what we use for mind, they don't go. They go, you know, sajitta is kind of the heart essence. We sometimes translate as heart mind. So back to this place of feeling of of uh, depth, and which brings up the the uh, the thinking mind. So we have this presence of body and breath, con- continuity, seamless flow. The four postures: sitting, standing, lying, walking down, <coughs> listening, seeing, hearing, tasting. So, what do we do with this thing called mind or thoughts? That's the biggie, isn't it? That's kind of the the challenge. Okay, I got it. I can get with the breath. I can get with the body. Uh, cool, you know, I got that. But what about this chaos? What about this thing? Whatever this thing is, you know, my mind. Right there, it's already we've we've got it's mine, isn't it? My mind. And there's a term uh, it's used with with athletes, and I refer to this because I have, and I find some of the terminology is very helpful and very uh, uh, applicable to Buddhist practice, our practice here, and it's called self-talk. So, what is your self-talk? In Buddhism, we say, "What are you? What what are the thoughts?" But what is the message that you're constantly saying and repeating to yourself? Are you aware of it? You know, I'm Joseph. You know, and Joseph is six foot two, a little overweight, probably two forty-five or two fifty. Um, you know, former monk, helicopter pilot in Vietnam, and I did this and I did that. And so, if my world spins around that, then it's co- continuously reinforced that that's what Joseph is, isn't it? And it might be good, it might be bad, but I find when I do that, then I can kind of not only spin around with that, but spin into a judgment, uh, a fixed kind of uh, position that this is what I am. And so we believe our thoughts. A gentleman was sharing with me the uh, day before yesterday when we were you know, have our second meeting and kind of preparing for the retreat. Something that Lumpa Sumedho said is that um, your thoughts are not true and they don't belong to you. So the thoughts are not true and they don't belong to you. So just think about that. Now, for most of us, my thoughts are mine because my that that is my identity. So identity is very, very strong and conditioned with this, and it's constantly reinforced. So the self-talk is that the way to tune into self-talk is by deeper listening. So how do we listen more deeply? So if I was to summarize what practice means to me in these years that I've been doing and what it means, it's to listen more and more deeply. So the listening behind the listening behind the listening, like the peeling of the layers and, and, and seeing what you hear. So in stillness, we can begin to listen and hear, but we can't hear until there's a certain amount of stillness and clarity. So these, these uh, practices that we do, the sitting and the walking, paying attention and things, we're, we're back to our mental fitness. We're strengthening the heart. We're strengthening our ability 
to be present and to be aware and start to understand more and more deeply and, and, and beginning to uproot the idea that I am this. Now, our identity is important. We work in the world. And the funny thing is Ajahn Chah used to say, well, if you, just, if you didn't have names, you know, Ajahn Amaro, Joseph, uh, whatever your name is, if he just said you, so if I say you and everybody would, you know, look, which, which you are you talking about? Or you said body, you know, like a body. But everybody has a body, but then we have to distinct, dis distinguish between them so we can have some kind of order, right? But in here we can begin to gradually understand that more deeply in what we call letting go, or maybe more accurately put, not to hang on to. So grasping, clinging, hold on to what I believe is me, I can say I have to let go of it, so we're kind of like this. Or how about softening and not grab it in the first place? So it's kind of two ways of talking about a similar thing, isn't it? So bringing forth that effort as best as you can, and returning inwardly. Last night, I said briefly that the sensors are maybe this morning, and I'll certainly get confused about what I said and when, so please forgive me if there's inconsistencies or Maybe inconsistencies are good, but the, in the world we're constantly going out, we're looking, we're seeing, we're hearing, we're, we're identifying with our senses. I am this, you know, this is this person, I'm this person, a continuous. But when we put the mirror in front of it, then the reflection of our ability to reflect is turned inwardly and we start to see that what I see is a manifestation of my own consciousness. I can't see myself, you can't see yourself. You can see yourself in a mirror, but you can't take your head and turn it and bring that head around and look at the same head, can you? But I can do that for you, you can do it for me. So that you know, we reflect and, and see, and so much of what we see is through others' eyes, and then we get concerned about how we look, our appearance and the, the, the vanity and all of the things that I want to be this way and that way. So, so in brief, it's really to deconstruct to some extent, and we get deconstruct by seeing more clearly. And this is what we call insight, seeing clearly into, understanding more deeply what is this process that's going on, what is digging me into to the identity. And this is, this is, this is like cutting-edge stuff. And it's very, very deep, and it's difficult because we have so much conditioning. So for me, to think about lifetimes, that's not a stretch at all. It's like, this is, if it's this way now, I did all this, and one, and you know, one lifetime this just kind of manifested the complexity and the depth of what's going on here. And it also gives me, allows me to be compassionate for myself. Well, if I've been working on this for a while, and you know, I, I, the chances that I'll get it you know, perfect or right this time are minimal. Well, maybe I've been working on it for a while, so maybe there is something to an accumulative effort. You know, we're born, and when we're born, our lives take certain, uh, um, choose certain ways to move, paths, uh, 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 ways to be, and, and all of us have done different things in our lives. 
But it's interesting that we're here, aren't we? You know, why are you here? Why isn't like half of London queued up outside the gate of, of Amravati to get into the retreat? Because they're not interested. But they're not interested because they don't know, do they? They don't know that there's something more. So you being here, me being here, Ajahn, the people have dedicated themselves to the monastic life and so on, that I see as people with but little dust in their eye, you know, less dust in their eye. And with less dust, we can begin to see a little more clearly. <clears throat> and it's, it's a gradual training, it's a gradual awakening. Certainly in the States, we're, we're into, we have a candy bar mentality, a vending machine mentality. It used to be a nickel or a dime when I was young. People here old enough to remember when you got something for a nickel, even a penny. You know, a nickel got you like a, a couple pieces of licorice or something, or something nice and tasty for a young kid. Nowadays, you, you, you probably don't even stop to pick up a nickel. <laughs> Just a quarter, yes. But vending machine, we're, we're expecting to put our quarter, or these days a dollar and a quarter, whatever it is, and equivalent to, to a pound sterling in this country, and push the button and we got our candy bar, we got our sweets, so that immediate gratification. And so the habit is so strong. I mean, I feel it, we feel this, and you know, we want to, to appease that in some way. But for some reason, we keep looking in the wrong place, don't we? Keep going out there, that somehow it's going to be out there. And that's not to say that there's not meaningful... Life has, is, is, has, is meaning in family, in uh, having children, in relationships, and all that. Not at all. But we have an opportunity to use what we have to awaken more and more, a gra this gradual awakening. So these kind of times are really critical, aren't they, to strengthen, and as we strengthen, that we can take that strength. It's like you go to the gym, you don't just, you benefit in the gym by strengthening, but that's going to help you, you know, walk better, have better, you know, heart rate and all these things with your own physical health and well-being. So mental fitness is the same, and we need, I'll take mental fitness over physical fitness every day, but my conditioning, I want my physical fitness first, and I don't really care about physical, uh, mental fitness. But as we get older, then mental fitness is, oh, you know, I don't want to be a kind of drooling on myself and, you know, have no physicality, but if I could still have my faculties, that would be great. And I was talking about that last night. Or maybe it was a talk on the, uh, the Oposita day, but this idea that we want to be, you know, see our lives through the, in, 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 in ways that are not embarrassing. And it was kind of humorous because if we're in that state, we're not going to care anyway. <laughs> but, but we dread it because it might be that way. And so the thought of me being, you know, an old, decrepit, somebody having to wipe and drool and, here, Joseph, have another bite. Ugh. Ugh. Just one more bite. You know, the thought of that is horrifying, isn't it? But if we're already gone, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Saw this with Ajahn Chah. You know, but we did it out of love and compassion for him. We loved him. He didn't care. He made it very clear that he didn't care. 
but there was so much caring, he couldn't deny the care. He didn't. He couldn't anymore because he was kind of helpless in that. So, hence his life went on for a long time because he did everything. You, know, you can't get that kind of care. I don't care how much money you have, how powerful you are. You can't buy that amount of love and devotion. Can't. It won't happen. Never happened. Never has. You can buy it through intimidation and poor, but to voluntarily have that, it doesn't happen. So it's just gone 11. Time is moving forward. I don't smell any aromas from the kitchen yet, but we know it's over there cooking and brewing. Uh, we might notice the uh, hunger pains, and we're uh, on the, uh, the eight precepts. I have to keep five, or I keep five, or really, I guess I keep about seven, because I just do have to eat frequently because of my condition. But um, that the body's needs come up, and then the mind will start to move towards hunger and feeding, and it becomes a bigger deal when we say, oh, I'm not going to get much in the evening. I wonder if there'll be any cheese or chocolate, and I might have to load up on sugar, and that's not good for me. But... No, the body demands, doesn't it? The body is constantly demanding. And did you get enough? I did. No, you didn't. What do you mean? I'm, I'm full. Well, you're going to have to eat again? Yes. Well, you didn't get enough. You can never get enough. I can come here and eat like I used to as a monk. I mean, I can pack it away still like I used to. And I was kind of famous for that, not where maybe infamous. I'm not sure what. But it doesn't matter how much we eat. We can't eat for the rest of our lives, can we? So it's a something we have to continuously do. So we tend to those bodily needs, it's important. So bring that presence, bring that awareness in this, these transitional things that we have. And, and allowing yourself through your practice to be relaxed, but present and have a continuity with your effort your awareness, and remind yourself, again, breath and body are always going to be present until we fall asleep. And when we wake up, so all wakeful hours, bringing forth that effort to be present moment to moment as best as possible. And the breath is a reminder, the body is a reminder. Eating, just, can you slow down and eat? Because, oh, I got it now. And then and we kind of shovel it in. And, uh, and uh, so just kind of slow it down. Be present with it as best as you can. Uh, we have a wonderful group of people, wonderful teachers, wonderful community. Everything is just like it's like a, I come here. It feels like I'm embrace. I have this big embrace. I'm just kind of gathered in this wonderful hug of love and support, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Here we are. It's safe. You know, there's nothing threatening, except for maybe the self-talk that might be a little bit off. But we're not threatening each other. You know, we're not aggression. You have to kind of watch your back because you're on a back street and it's dark and in an alley, and somebody might come up behind you and you know try to assault you in some way or take your money or your wallet. So we can relax into that, the safety that we create here. Thank you. <laughs>